In the second half, two duties. The first part of the letter to usually focus on principles and instructions. In the second part, it focuses on practice. We see it uh, from Colossians chapter 1 and 2 that Paul contrasts true doctrine with false doctrine. The Apostle Paul taught the Colossians that Christ is enough, that he is sufficient. However, the false teacher claims that Christ is not sufficient. It's not enough that you need to do other things. Because we know that Christ is sufficient, and because we know that we have our identity in Christ, we can live in a different way, different from the worldly conduct that we could live in a way that is godly toward the Lord. We are to to put off and mortify our old self and to put on the new self. And we should see change as we embrace the teaching in the first two chapters. As we move into chapter 3 and 4, it gets into the practical section. It gives us, it gives us the ability to live in a victorious manner. Last week, we see how our new self affects our personal life. And today, as well as in next week, we will look at how the new life affects our domestic life. More specifically, today we're going to talk about our home life, and next week we're going to talk about our work life. And as we talk about the home life today, we're going to focus on the relationship in the marriage between the husband and wife, as well as we'll look at the relationship within the family between the parents and the uh, children that they have. You see, in our society, our families are in terrible shape. Back in 1960, only 5% of children are born out of wedlock. However, in the 2010, that figure has soared to almost 41%. Matter of fact, 53% of all birth to women under the age of 30 were to unmarried women. In other words, people are choosing not to get married. But instead, they choose to cohabitate, you know, They don't see marriage as a permanent um, relationship. If it doesn't work out, then we could walk our separate way. But that greatly not only affects marriage, but it greatly affects families. We see that 39% of Americans say marriage is becoming obsolete. And not only that, we see marriages today that over 50% ends up in divorce. There is great craving among people today for an intimate marriage, for intimate families. 
And some people feel hopeless about their marriage, about their family. But yet we can find hope in our Lord. We can find hope because he has given us the gospel. And today in our passage in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21, as we have just read a moment ago, God gives us secrets to an intimate marriage. Secrets as to how we could have uh, intimate family. We know that because Christ is sufficient, that he is enough, that we need him to help us to have these intimate relationships. He models for us, and may we follow after him. The instruction that we're going to read in just a moment is really counter-cultural, and yet we know that God's the one who established marriage as well as family, but he also provides the blueprint for us to have a successful home life. Now, this passage uh, on the home as well as the passage which follows uh, on the marketplace resembles a similar passage in Ephesians chapter 5. They basically have the same content, but in Ephesians it goes into a little more detail and they usually are kind of parallel passages. And, and I'd like to, to um, look at both of these passages and kind of bounce back and forth uh, to get a clearer understanding of God's instruction in the home life. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we kind of set the, the, the background, the context uh, before going into the example of the home life. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Here we see that uh, the Apostle Paul contrasts a person that is filled with wine or controlled by wine versus one that is filled with the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit. In other words, when a person is filled with wine, he does abnormally bad things. He, he's not himself. On the other hand, we see that one that is filled with the Spirit, he's not himself also. He does abnormally good things. And we see in the next few verses, verses 19 to 21, it shows us what are some of those good behaviors good conducts when one is filled with, with the Spirit. In verse 19, it says, Speak to one another with hymn psalms and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In summary... There, these three so-called abnormally good behavior can be summarized. One, when you feel the Spirit, you have a joyful heart. And secondly, you have a thankful heart. And thirdly, you have a submissive heart. Now, that third behavior shows that there is a mutual submission that takes place back and forth. And that's really a key Matter of fact, it is so important that Paul 
emphasize this third behavior of submitting to one another, we see following that uh, he uses three practical relationships to show how this mutual submission can take place. And it includes the, the, the relationship between the, the wife and the husband, as well as the children and the parents. And thirdly, in, in relation to the employee and the employer. The, the same pattern in Ephesians 5 and 6 is recorded also in Colossians 3, 18 to 21. So here we see that Paul provides instructions for an intimate marriage as well as an intimate family. And in order for us to carry out consistently these uh, instructions, we need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but we see that Jesus has set the example for us to follow, so that we need the Spirit to empower us to carry out these instructions to us. I've broken to, uh, the uh, sermon down to, to three major points. If you have your bulletin in there, there is the sermon outline. The three to major points are, first, believers are to submit to one another. And secondly, God provides a blueprint to an intimate marriage. And thirdly, God provides blueprint to an intimate family. So we see one of the key evidence that the Spirit is controlling us is that we are submitting to one another, particularly in the home setting. Note that this is a mutual submission. There needs to be a submission of back and forth. It's not just one way of submission, but both ways. Now, this is the key to understanding the rest of this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 as well as in Colossians 3. And I'm going to refer back to this submission in just a moment. Now, before we discuss what submission is, I want to make clear that God has created both men and women in the image of God. We all are equal in position before God. However, God has given different roles to husband and wife, as well as different roles to children and parents. They're equal in position, but yet they are different in function. Now, the word submit. Is it really a military term that means arrange under rank. Now, a soldier that might be a private versus a soldier that might be a colonel does not mean that one is better than the other, but yet what it, what it shows is that they have different ranks. Submit is to recognize and respond to God-ordained authority. See, God is an orderly God. If he did not have a chain of command in our society, things would be chaotic. So, similarly, 
as we take a look in marriage, there needs to be order. We're reminded uh, the application is an example from the behavior of one being filled with the Spirit, which is submitting to one another. So let's take a look at how God provides a blueprint to an intimate marriage. I'd like to start with the role of the husband first in verse 19. In verse 19, it says, Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. It says, First and foremost, you husband, you are to love your wives and uh, do not be harsh to them. You see, the women are relational beings. What is most important to women is that they need to be connected, and particularly they needed to be connected to their husband, their soulmate. One of the greatest needs is to be loved. Now, this love is not the erotic love, but rather it talks about the agape love, which talks about sacrificial love. It is giving our very best to the person that we love. This love caused one to place the needs of others above himself. This includes not only fulfilling her physical needs, but even more importantly, her spiritual and emotional needs. I believe one of the best ways how we could uh, love our wives is to listen to her, to communicate with her. Her spouse wants to connect with us. She wants to know us and to journey alongside with us. May we be willing to share freely what we're thinking, what we're feeling with her. Loving our wives means understanding and meeting her needs in spite of whatever the cost might be. That means that we value our wives. We need to brag about our wife, or do we tend to criticize about our wife? Are we willing to go that second mile to meet her needs? What if we are tired and we don't feel like it? But really, if we love someone, we would be willing to make sacrifice for that individual. I assure you, when husband love their wives totally and consistently, their wives will do anything for him. The problem with marriage today is that wives do not feel value. And that's something that we, as husband, need to demonstrate love toward her. Note that Jesus has set the example for us to follow. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And Christ loved the church so much that he went to the cross to pay the penalty of sin for us. 
He was willing to die for us. In the same way, husbands are commanded to love our wives like Christ loved the church. We see in the latter part of verse 19, it also says that husbands are not to be harsh with their wives. He is not to misuse or abuse the authority that God's given to him. He's not to be overbearing toward her. The husband should not treat his wife out of bitterness, but instead he should treat her out of love of Christ. Husband should not be rude to their wives. In order for the husband to love their wife well, he needs to submit to her by putting her above himself. See, this is exactly what that Ephesians 5.21 is saying, is that we are to submit to one another. There's to be a mutual submission. So often we, we hear in passages where it says that the wife should submit to the husband, but really in reality the husband needs to submit to the, uh, the wife as well in order to love her well, to understand her needs and to love her fully. Now, let's uh, move to the role of the wife, which is recorded in verse 18. It says, wives, submit to your husband as it is fitting to the Lord. Here, uh, we see the wives are commanded to submit to their husband. There is question whether if God has made some sort of mistake here within the order of family. Well, let me explain uh, what it does not mean. It does not mean that wives are to be a doormat or to be a slave to their husband. It does not diminish the equality or destroy the dignity of the wife. See, this word submit means to voluntarily place oneself under someone else's authority. It gives the understanding of order as well as authority. No, it is a voluntary action and not a forced action by the husband. It is not a position of inferiority, but rather a different role on the same team. See, we need, we need to understand that the wife finds her identity not apart from her husband, but in conjunction with her husband. See, in order for us uh, to understand the marriage is like a team. In order for a team to win, each member must understand their role and do their very best within their role. Husband and wife our teammates together to complement one another, understanding their role and performing their role well, and then the marriage will be an intimate one. They complement instead of competing with one another. And when we talk about submission, we remember that Christ set the example for us to follow. Although Jesus is equal to God the Father, 
yet he submitted to the Heavenly Father to be incarnate as a man and to live a perfect life in order that he might offer himself as a sacrifice for the penalty of man's sin. In order to have proper order, there must be clear lines of authority and submission. This is also true within marriage. We see the, the, the rest of this uh, verse. It says that uh, the wife's submission is fitting in the Lord. The word fitting means proper or appropriate. It is the right thing to do. It is God's design for wives to submit to their husband. It is not because the husband is superior and the wife is inferior as a human being. She has surrendered herself to Christ, believing that Christ has set the blueprint for marriage. And she trusts Christ to the order that he has given in marriage. Well, why is it important for wives to submit to the husband? Back in Ephesians 5, 23, one of the other responsibilities that the husband ought to have, not only to love the wife, but to also to be the head of the family. They are to lead the family. You see, when, when the wife submits, it motivates the husband to lead well as well as to love well. When husband leads and loves his wife well, submission will come pretty naturally. Wives can best encourage the husband to lead and love by submitting to him. But you might say, what, what if the husband does not lead well and does not love well? Well, if we take a look in Ephesians 5 as well as Colossians 3, it does not have any conditions as to when the wife ought to submit. Wife ought to submit to their husband because God's blueprint speaks of it in order for us to have intimate marriage. And if the wife are obedient in submitting, I believe that God will, uh, will give pressure upon the husband to respond properly. May we be obedient to God's guidelines and blueprint to an intimate marriage. God has not only provided a blueprint for intimate marriage, but he also provided a blueprint for an intimate family. We see that families are broken today. There's a great cry for harmony and for respect for one another. Well, how is that going to be achieved? Well, we see that uh, in the next couple of verses, uh, Paul explained the role of the parents as well as the children. 
I'd like to start with uh, the role of the fathers or the parents, as is recorded in verse 21. So in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, it says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So we see here uh, the word fathers are being addressed. But we also know that um, in other parts of Scripture that fathers also sometimes use to refer to both parents. The principle can be applied to both parents. Parents are the primary faith influencer. They have the responsibility to train up their children. And it is their responsibility. It is not the church's responsibility. It is not the grandparents' responsibility. It is not the teacher at the school's responsibility. We know that uh, back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, the latter part says fathers or parents are to, are to bring them up or the children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parents are respected only to a certain level because we are parents. Positionally, we are to be respected. However, if we are going to gain more respect, more influence, that usually is earned. I like to, to mention uh, five practical ways how we can gain more respect before we look at how we could lose respect. And we see that indicated in this verse. But five practical ways of gaining respect. Um, there are five easy ways to remember. These five words uh, starts with the letter A. First, may we accept our child. In other words, value them not because of their performance, but as a child of ours. Do we tell them that we are proud of them? Or do we criticize them? May we accept them, value them. Secondly, may we show appreciation for them. Let us thank them when they do something right. Too often uh, when they do something right, we do not say anything because that's what they're supposed to be doing. It is so important for us to validate what they are doing and particularly those things that they are doing well. You see, positive reinforcement works much better than negative criticism. Parents, thirdly, how we can gain more respect by showing affection. By showing affection physically, by hugs or kisses, as well as verbally telling them that we love them. It is so important that we show affection to our children. And fourthly, we need to be available to our children. There's really no shortcut to show that uh, we love our child. We need to spend time with them. We need to block off time with them. They know that we're busy, and when we spend time with them, they value that. And when we are available to do so, uh, they will respect us even more. And fifthly, lastly, we need to hold them accountable. In other words, we as parents are to teach our children to make decisions. There are consequences to all decisions that we make. 
through accountability, we teach our children to be responsible. Don't make all the decisions for them, but to teach them to make decisions. If they make bad decisions, let them face the consequences and not overprotect them. So, those five ways how we can gain greater respect, just in summary, um, they are acceptance, appreciation, affection, availability, and accountability. We see that uh, as we look in verse 21, that there are ways that we lose respect. We see in verse 21, it says, fathers or parents here, do not embitter your children. In another word, this verse is saying, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke them to anger. Do not push those hot buttons that ticks them off. We know what those hot buttons are. Do not break their spirit. Well, how do we go about provoking our child to anger? One of the most common and frequent complaints from young people today is that my parents do not listen to me. Well, that is so very true. Uh, we do not really seek to understand where they are coming from. I think it's so important that we need to see from their perspective whether we agree or not agree. Um, seek understanding is so very critical. Various times we do not uh, trust our children with various responsibilities. Instead, we want total control. Sometimes when we are too strict, it frustrates our children. Shouting and belittling them, shaming them, or giving them a guilt trip. Well, we embitter and provoke our child to anger when we over-control as well as under-control. We embitter our child to anger when we set certain rules, but we do not uphold them ourselves. Being being hypocritical with our standards can frustrate our children. We see in the latter part of verse 21, it explains what will happen when we embitter or provoke our child to anger. It says, they will be discouraged. They, in turn, will revolt, will rebel. They will not listen. They will not respond properly. At times, they might withdraw it, and they lose all desire to do the right thing. In other words, we are shooting ourselves on the foot when we provoke our child to anger. Paul is saying, don't do that. It will only harm you. We will lose respect and lose influence for our children. In order for us not to embitter our children, we must submit ourselves to our children. 
See, we as parents need to understand those things that really frustrate and tick them off. And we should choose not to do that. Well, we could instruct in a proper manner, but when we, when we provoke them to anger, that's not the right way to go about doing it. And that again reminds us back in Ephesians 5.21 that there needs to be a mutual submitting to one another. We know that uh, children are to submit to parents, but parents also need to submit to children by not embittering them and not provoking them to anger. May we remember that Christ value us, accepting us and forgiving us. He has set the example for us as parents, for us to parent our children. See, Christ value us not because of what we have done, but simply because we are his children. Now, we have seen the role of the fathers or the parents. Let us examine the role of the children as we look in verse 21. It says, children, obey your children in everything for this pleases the Lord. The word children here refers to children growing up. It does not claim that children must submit to and obey their parents as long as they live. The word obey means to follow the direction. When fathers or parents give an instruction, we as children are to obey them. Not only selective obedience, but as we look at this verse, it says that we are to obey in all things, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, we uh, recognize that um, uh, parents are not perfect. Uh, they make mistakes as well. Um, and we need to uh, believe that God would uh, uh, place pressure upon them to do the right thing as we do our part that is given to us, that we should be obedient to our, our father and our parents. We see that uh, Jesus also set the example for us as he obeyed his heavenly father, as he uh, submitted to him, obeyed him, and come to become a man and to die on the cross for us. He has set the example for us to follow. Now, in conclusion, Paul's given us the blueprint to an intimate marriage as well as an intimate family. Each, each member of the family must understand our role and uphold our responsibilities. Husbands are to love their wives, and wives are to submit to their husband. Father, not to embitter or provoke their children to anger, Children are to obey their parents. 
We really cannot carry out these instructions consistently by ourselves. We need the Lord to empower us. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit to control us so that we can submit to one another. You see, genuine Christian living is bringing relationship into compliance with the example of Christ. Knowing that He is enough, He is sufficient. We need Him to empower us and guide us as we follow the blueprints that He had set out for us. To help families to understand our role in each stage of our life, the church has set up uh, the Home Life Resource Center. You might have seen that. It's out uh, by the main entrance on the side there. Uh, we have provided um, books and pamphlets uh, which are available for you uh, so that you might be better educated, so that you could have resources to uh, improve your um, family life. Uh, we have uh, uh, books uh, that for us uh, to, uh, to not only refer to, but uh, in the next couple months, as we have done so last couple months, we're giving away a featured book uh, of the month, and there uh, you could sign up for a drawing there. We'll also have family life books uh, in our bookstall uh, in the uh, lot, uh, in the fellowship hall uh, in the near future for you to purchase as well. So the church here would like to partner with you to equip you so that you could have a better family life. Let us bow for prayer. Dear God, um, we thank you for setting the example for us as to how we can have an intimate uh, marriage and have an intimate family, Lord. Um, we know that you have set forth a blueprint for us. And Lord, uh, may we uh, understand what our roles are and to submit ourselves to it, Lord. And by doing so, uh, we will experience that which you have promised to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.